What's up, everybody? Dre Pale here on behalf of HamiltonMusician.com, here with a very special guest. She just released a brand new jazz mashup of the top pop songs of the last year. I'm here with Barbara Lika. How's it going, Barbara? Hey, going well. How are you doing? Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. So let's get right into it. Uh, before we do get into some questions, I want to say congratulations on your Juno nomination for Vocal Jazz Album of the Year. That's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's uh, a bit overwhelming. <laughs> I can imagine. So um, is now with the the Juno nomination, is is it? Is there something specific that you're looking forward to? Are you going there kind of with a, let's just soak this all in, or is there something specific you're like, well, I can't wait for this to happen? Uh, honestly, it's, I don't know. I mean, every part of it is so different. There are there are uh, parties, and, and I'm, I'm super awkward at parties, but uh, um, <laughs> so that part, that part is scary to me, but um, some of the events they have going on, like the uh, songwriter's circle that happens before the red carpet, and then the red carpet itself, I, I'm just kind of excited to to uh, debut this dress that's kind of been hanging up in my closet. So, <laughs> so it's a combination, you know. You get scared, you get excited. Um, I, I just, I just really think that songwriter's circle with Bruce Cockburn is going to be amazing. What, um, what about the Junos itself um, as an organization? How, how valuable do you think it is for Canadian artists in general, or just for the country maintaining Canadian culture and music? I think it's super important. I mean, personally, just, I mean, just going through the, the nominees, I've, I've sort of clued into some amazing music and other genres that I wasn't aware of. And I think that sort of putting a spotlight on, on all this wide range of music coming out of Canada, I mean, it, it's a great way to, sort of remind Canadians, oh yeah, you know, we are we are making a lot of cool stuff. And oh yeah, that guy is Canadian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even with uh the top forty stuff, I mean some of the best artists in the world right now are all Canadian and specifically yeah, from Ontario. Cara, uh was from Brampton, uh Drake, I mean Sean yeah, Mendes. I mean yeah. some of the biggest people on, on the globe and it's I think it's particularly neat this year because, uh, like you said, they're some of the biggest stars in the world, and they're coming out of here at our national ceremony on Canada's 150th anniversary. So, so it's uh, it's cool to be part of that. It's, you know, just celebrate being on the up and up as a country. Yeah, totally. Um, with this mashup, you guys kind of touched upon a bunch of these different artists like Shawn Mendes um, and Alessia Cara. Are you a fan of, of Top 40? I know you said you're into different music. Um, are you listening to Top 40 or do you have a, I do. a favorite? I, um, I run a lot and um, I find that I just cannot go running without Top 40 because there's, especially what it is right now, you know, that, that beat that goes and I find that that's really good for running too. So, so like, I, I know all of these artists, and especially Alessia Carver, I'm a huge fan. When we did this bash-up, I immediately said, please, let me do let me do that song. Well, yeah, even with, you know what, when I was listening to the mashup, when I heard your voice come in, I was like, she should do a pop song. You're, I think your tone, it, it just, it, it matches. I could totally see you doing a pop song with that vocal tone. So it's funny because I feel I feel like the reverse is on the way. When I hear Alessia Cara, I'm like, you guys are aware that she's basically a jazz singer, right? <laughs> like she swings <laughs> and she has this this kind of cool jazzy tone, and she's basically singing pop tunes as a jazz singer, and it totally works. 
Well, that's why I think maybe I, I didn't realize it to that extent, but maybe that's why I felt that it worked so well. But if you do release a pop song, I want to be one of the first to know because I totally want to download it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll work on it. I'll get my pop chops up to snuff. <laughs> what about, um, talk to me about I'm Still Learning. Um, I mean, the title itself kind of gives away the, the the message it seems like you're going for, but is there an overall message to the album? And is there a song that you could say, hey, this kind of summarizes what I was going for for the album? Uh, <laughs> I mean, if there's a song that sums up the album, it's one that's not on the album. There's this old Paul Simon tune that I like ending shows with called Still Crazy After All These Years. Um, <laughs> and I feel like I, I feel like that's kind of the story that I'm going for. I mean, every song is, is kind of like an individual episode from something that I wish I had done differently or, or maybe I just accepted the way that it went. Um, but, but, I mean, I, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say there's one... There's one overarching one. Maybe maybe the cover that we did of Love Fool on the album is sort of like, hey, love me anyway, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I think that nobody's perfect, and that's kind of the message I'm going for. It's a bit like it is about a bunch of mess ups, but we take a pretty lighthearted approach on the album. So I think I think that's that's my message, if anything. You know, you're human, we mess up, we're flawed, and maybe that's what makes us awesome. With your challenges that you've gone through as an artist, is there something that has stuck out the most to you that you're like, wow, if that didn't happen, it seemed horrible at the time, but if it didn't happen, wow, it wouldn't be where I am today? Uh, yeah, I mean, even just from a from a business standpoint, I, I go around and I, and I talk to people about these things, about sort of the mistakes I made career-wise going, going early, and, and I've learned... And I, I tell these young people, um, you know, ask questions. I've learned to ask questions. I've learned to you know, trust myself a little bit more, trust my gut instinct. And, and I think that that's really the biggest thing. I think that when these bad things happen in life, you sort of become a little bit stronger. Like you, I always make a joke, you trade in your, you know, your youthful joy for, for kind of this, uh, this place where you're a little bit safer and more self-sufficient. And, you know, even creatively, you're more willing to jump into this idea that five years ago you would have said, no, that's too weird. Yeah, I, I completely see you on that. I mean, it seems like there's there's constantly a pressure to maybe adjust the way that you feel something should be. But you always hear from artists that, hey, you know what, I thought if I just had stuck to my gut from the beginning, things wouldn't. Would have been exactly. So you kind of learn that. You kind of you, you kind of don't learn that you should have. You don't learn that you were wrong so much as that maybe you were right. You and know, it's so just, difficult because sometimes there's like 50 people saying you're wrong. But as an artist, you need to take that stand and just be like, hey, this is the way. Yeah. It's gonna, it's, you, sometimes you just know because it's your music. And everybody, I, I find that right now in the industry, so, so many good things are happening for people who are just doing it in a completely new and different way that I'm sure they've been surrounded by a, an army of other people that have endless chance to rock you know. Oh, sorry. You know what? You just cut out. Can you just repeat what you just said? Oh, I said that the, the I think that the the most amazing things that are happening right now in the industry are by people who are likely surrounded by an army of others saying don't do that, and they're doing amazing things like Chance the Rapper, who is completely against the grain and doing things completely independently. And I feel that the people taking the risks, 
completely coming out of left field. I mean, even stylistically, look at what Drake's doing. It's so unique. Um, and I think that those are the people that are making this right, the people who are kind of saying, hey, what if we just try something? Yeah, I think that right now is the most interesting time for music because I think that there's there's not this like, okay, this is the way things are and like it stays the same for a bit. It's like a constant change that I feel like with every new album that a new uh, popular artist puts out, the game changes and it's interesting. Yeah, and it's and it's very hard. It's very hard to finally decide to just to to change the game or to do things a little bit differently because all the time I'm always surrounded by people saying, no, you know, we've created a path or you, you know, you made an album like this, make an album exactly like that again. That's what people like. And, and you know, sometimes it's okay to kind of step out and try something different every time. Can you talk about the Canadian jazz scene in general? Like, what what is it like being a jazz artist today? Maybe your favorite aspects or something that you find difficult because of the genre? Mm, I think personally, um, I, I think jazz is kind of an exciting place right now. And maybe it's a controversial subject because there is also a place for, for the traditionalists. And, and I love that. Every now and then you need to... You need to really get a fix of that. <laughs> but I think that the jazz throughout the ages has kind of shifted and meant something different. So it used to be, you know, Frank Sinatra and it was just pop. And then it, it you know, Ornette Coleman and, and, and modern jazz became something different. And I think now we're at a space where it's changing again. And it's meaning something that's more relatable to 2017. You know, it's it's sort of crossing over. I'm hearing a lot of jazz folk crossover, jazz pop crossover, and I think uh, it's really reaching like a new and exciting place. That I don't know if I'm describing it that well, <laughs> but but I just I just find that there's some interesting places that you can go. And it's kind of started with Nora Jones. I think that she started a little bit of a movement, and it's really developing now. Yeah, completely. I mean, I come from more of a pop realm of music, but more and more I'm finding jazz keeps coming into my life, and and more and more I'm getting into it. I actually bumped into the coordinator of the Hamilton Jazz Festival, and I mentioned that I was speaking with you, and he was really excited, and he's like, you have to make sure that you mentioned to her that she is always welcome to come and perform at the Hamilton Jazz Festival. So <laughs> this is your formal invitation from me. Oh, yeah. It sounds like give me a call. Awesome. <laughs> Especially um, Hamilton. I love that town. Yeah. Have you performed in Hamilton at all before? Yeah, yeah, a few times. Um, and I played, I mean, it's, it's I guess, directly outside or – place right nearby called um, Ancaster. Totally. So I've performed in Ancaster a few times, and, and I found that um, in the Hamilton area, whenever I have, like, whoever's in the front row at a Hamilton concert, they come to everything everywhere else. I've had Hamilton people show up in Aurora. Totally. I think that people are very loyal to <laughs> their sound. They're extremely that they loyal. And you, and you always remember, I mean, you go into a Hamilton concert, you see the front row, and you're like, okay, you guys are smiling, I'm going to see you again. <laughs> well, definitely, I hope you can make it down to Hamilton, and I will definitely be there if uh, you choose to come down. Yeah, I would, I would love that. That'd be great. Hamilton! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, I always like to ask the guests that I'm speaking to, to define their version of what success is, do they need to have something or feel something in order for them to classify someone as, okay, that's, that's success to me? Oh, that's such, it's so funny that you ask that. I mean, 
I feel like I make a joke about what success is every day. <laughs> like I'll just I'll just pick on something I'm doing that I don't like doing, and I'll say, you know, success would be somebody else doing this, and um, and it kind of it kind of turns into that. It's like uh, you know, the uh, one day I was saying success would be somebody else writing my tour grants. So. Um, and then what was it? What was it yesterday? I was telling somebody success would be having somebody drive us on tour. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's maybe what it comes down to. I feel like I feel like for me success would be a combination of having some of the nitty gritty taken care of because driving is extremely tiring, and and also just getting to work with some of the people that that make me just unable to speak. Um, you know, like the great songwriters out there to be able to write a song with, um, you know, with the people who wrote on that Nora Jones album I was mentioning, um, or to, you know, have people, you know, be able to play at major festivals that I've always wanted to go to that I sort of just look at on Google image search. <laughs> totally. And at the same time, I feel like it's, it's always changing, like depending on where you are mentally in your career or the day even. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, as long as you can just do that and, and they don't catch you. I mean, I don't know who they is, but I'm just feeling that if they catch you uh, doing the silly thing like music full-time for a living, they kind of lock you up and put you back in the office. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, there's uh, the office can be an amazing place, but I've always worked uh, – I've always worked sort of temp jobs where I'm in, in like a windowless space at front reception and nobody trusts me to do anything. And I feel like that is how you torture a musician. So when you finally get to the studio, you just explode with all of your energy that you've held in through the day. <laughs> exactly. For me, like eight hours without windows and without human contact, just like answer a phone and speak to these digital people like that. That's, that's yeah. tough. I used to get in trouble for standing on the desk and singing. Yeah. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, come and speak with me. It means a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for people who are listening to this interview, make sure you check out barbaralikamusic.com for all the updates on uh, Barbara. And uh, also check out her mashup with Matt Dusk and Heather Bambrick, which is on YouTube right now. I believe it has over 12,000 views in just a week or so. So people seem to like it. Wow. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barbara, thanks again, and good luck at the Junos. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>